You're listening to the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. Welcome back to our last week of Municipal Month on the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. We are sitting down all this week with another great set of municipal councillors, Reeves, mayors from across this great country to talk about themselves, their community, and most importantly, their duty to serve. So with that, I want to introduce our guest today. She is the current city councillor for the city of Martinsville in Saskatchewan. Uh, for those who don't know, that's just north of Saskatoon. So it's the city just north of Saskatoon. I would say central Saskatchewan. I, uh, the councillor will probably correct me here. But I'm pleased to welcome councillor Jamie Martins onto the show. Councillor, thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me today. Thank you. So, Councillor, uh, if you've listened to the show before, and if you haven't, I asked the exact same question to the every political guest, and that is, where did your sense of duty to serve come from? So, where did yours come from? All right. Well, to start, um, it was in 2012. Um, uh, my father, well, we actually grew up uh, in in and around Martinsville my whole life I, I I did so my father was always interested in in what was going on of course in in politics what was going on with taxes and so on and so forth wanted to kind of know you know where where the money was going um and so um, unfortunately he had passed away in 2012 and and at that very moment it was calling for um members to to come for or people to come forward to to be elected so at that time I decided that uh, I think I'm going to put my name forward just to um, bring that curiosity um, uh, ahead and and get some answers for everybody and and that's kind of where it started and I just wanted to make sure that you know I had uh, had received answers to explain it to the regular regular individuals just just to let them know on where and 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 how everything ran. So before we talk about that 2012 election, I want to talk about you a little bit before that. Um, you talked about your father being involved, about learning, knowing where, wanting to know where taxes went. Were you a political geek nerd when you were growing up or did politics just come to you by the way of your father when he was talking about these issues that were facing municipalities? Where did the political bug for you? Because you could have given back volunteer, nonprofit, but you chose political. Where did that bug come from? That is correct. Um, no, actually, I was by far not a political nerd at the time. Um, I, I actually stayed away from it. I didn't really want to know about too much. It was just seemed um, uh, too, uh, I mean, you know, people got heated and so on and so forth. It seemed like a, a, a subject that I kind of wasn't wasn't too interested in as I was younger. Um, but then, of course, it, it was my my father that uh, that had kind of given me the interest in, in knowing, you know, um, and, and bringing forward um you know different ideas and i thought well how do i get these ideas you know brought forward and and what happens in, in this situation so so that was kind of an interesting part so that's that's what led me to politics for sure and why municipal for you because you could have chosen federal you could have chosen provincial but you chose municipal politics some say the front line of politics because that's what i always say it is the front line because you are on the ground meeting with constituents on a daily basis so for you what was the desire for uh, the municipal aspect because taxes are still a provincial and federal issue as well so you chose municipal why um, and at that time, uh, because I wanted to 
I wanted to be here in my community. So I did, I never honestly assumed um, that I would even remotely be interested in federal or, or provincial for that matter. I just wanted to be a part of my community, um, a, be a voice at the table and, and to uh, um, also continue my volunteerism. So that, that was so important to me. So that's why I chose municipal. I thought that that at that time, definitely it was something that, um, I had small children, so I wanted them to kind of, you know, to to kind of learn about the process as well, and and uh, that's that's why I chose municipal. In 2012, as you said beforehand, it was your first election that you ran in and ultimately won. You are a few hundred people, if not a thousand people, who have been able to sit on the uh, council chambers of the city of Martinsville and influence the decisions of the day-to-day lives of not only your neighbors, your family, your community members. Uh, I want to go back to that day when you first got elected. What was the the feeling going through your head when you first got elected? Because it's a big challenge to run municipally because you don't have a party behind you. you. You are running by yourself. So for you, when you got the word that you are the next councillor elect for the city of Martinsville, what was going through your head? Um, extreme excitement, extreme. Um, I, I, uh, I, w- I couldn't believe that I was going to be representing my, my town. And of course, at that, that point in time, actually, we just had turned into a city not too long before. Um, so that was exactly it. It was excitement. It was, um, I just, I, and, a, and an honor. Um, I couldn't believe that, you know, that, that people believed in me so much to, to, to allow my name to stand and, and, and to go forward and, and be their representative. So I was very, very humbled, but extremely excited. When did that excitement change? Because moment you walk into that council chambers, you are now uh, dictating millions of dollars going towards infrastructure projects. You are about to start the process of saying no to a lot of your friends, which I can imagine as a municipal councillor is not the most appealing part of the job. But when did the weight of the job start getting onto you? Because you walk in and now the decisions you make are going to affect, like I said, the people that you were around and your family members and your community members, that excitement must've lasted for a few minutes or did it, does it continue last to this day? Uh, believe it or not, the excitement continues to last. To this really? Day. Um, oh, wow. Yes, it sure does. Absolutely. Um, I actually only get more excited to be honest. Um, and, but uh, I, it was, it was the thing. I mean, coming into the situation going, wow, like there's so much more to this. Um, a huge learning curve. Of course, we hear that all the time. It's um, uh, what was the but, big learning curve for you? What was the biggest learning moment for you in that first year uh, in 2012 to 2013? I know that's 10 years ago, but you probably still remember it because probably people, all counselor elects come to you all the time and say, what do, what should I expect here? Exactly. Well, I would say all honestly, it it comes down to, let's say, you're looking at zoning, you know, zoning or bylaws or so on and so forth. And you're like, what on earth? Like, what is this? Um, So at that time, you know, not really truly understanding, well, how does this how does this um, come into play? How does how does a bylaw get formed? And so on and so forth. So that was a huge learning curve. And as well as as just like you had stated, I mean, budgeting um, and being responsible for that amount of dollars, that that was huge. So, you know, uh, coming from, you know, a family that, um, you know, my dad had taught me how to budget and and exactly where, where all the dollars were and so on and so forth. I found that very, very interesting. 
And, uh, and I really enjoyed that part of it, but it was a huge learning curve, but I definitely enjoyed that part of it too, to explain to others about really how truly expensive it is to, to run a municipality. I, I talked about the no, the no statement. I jokingly said that at the beginning of this interview, but you have to not look at the best of the people in your neighborhood or your uh, your area that you live in, but you have to look at the city as a whole. You you were there to represent the city. How challenging is it for yourself to balance the needs of what people are asking you to look uh, to fight for against the needs of the city as a whole? Because I can imagine it it could be frustrating when your neighbor John down the street is saying this pothole is very frustrating to me. But when you look at the strategic plan and the infrastructure plan, you're going, that's not going to get fixed until three years from now. I'm sorry, but it's just not a priority. So how hard is that part of the job? Um, I would definitely say um, coming from um, well, my opinion on that one would be would uh, I, I definitely have heart. I have too much heart, and I and I always want to fix, and I and I always want to make sure that everything's okay, and and to make sure that everybody's concern is 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 heard. Um, I do believe one hundred percent that it's heard. I do bring it forward nonstop. Um, and but the the good point or the good part about that, sorry, is is that I can explain. And I can say, well, you know what, in actuality, I totally understand because trust me, I have a pothole in front of my house too. Um, but at this time, you know, we have to continue with 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 our plan. So um, are people understanding? I, I think so. Yeah, for the most part, I think they are quite understanding. And, um, and, and you know, when they actually understand, you know, okay, we, we have to prioritize. And if we didn't prioritize and we just decided to keep on, you know, fixing, you know, John's pothole down the street or, or so on and so forth force, you know, um, uh, sidewalk, that type of thing. It's, um, you know, I mean, where would we be, right? So we couldn't plan plan accordingly. So I, so for the most part, I think they're pretty understanding. Does it get to you when, I shouldn't, let me rephrase this question because this is an important question that I always ask all municipal councillors. Like I said, you are the front line of politics. You can't go to the grocery store without getting people coming up to you and asking you that your their opinion or telling you what you should be doing or focusing on. Does that get to you as a counselor after 10 years serving that people still come up to you and uh, talk to you about their issues? Or are you comfortable with that in public settings, even if you're going out to dinner with your family or going grocery shopping or going to pick up the post off uh, the, the mail at the post office? Do, do, does it get to you or are you comfortable now where you can say, not today, I, I have to do these errands or let's talk or here's my business card. When, you, when it comes to interacting with uh, residents on a day-to-day -day basis, which municipal councillors have to do, how do you balance your personal and public life? All right, so that's a good one. Um, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely take the time every single time that I am stopped. I do take the time to listen. I think that it's so important on every level of government, um, just to have that, to have that time to at least interact, just just even for a brief moment. And and like you said, you know, I mean, pass on your business card and so on. Of course, if you have something else going on, um, because a lot of people don't realize that you know you could be bombarded with how many people that day or you could have been in multiple meetings and so on and so forth that you just don't have the time or you have to get going or you're on time crunch but um but for the most part i i i'm very very blessed i think that we have an amazing community so i don't get 
I don't get ambushed too often. <laughs> Has your family adapted to the lifestyle of a counselor in Martin, city of Martinsville? I think they definitely have. I think that the kids really haven't, uh, um, they, they, they haven't really understood until they they come out with me somewhere or I made my children actually come to a council meeting not too long ago because they never have been. And I said, well, this is what I do. And they said, oh, my goodness, that's so boring because they didn't understand, of course, the whole back back part of, uh, of everything. And of course, like all all the preparation and so on. But um, but they do know how passionate I am and, and they and they completely understand um, when I do stop, when I do speak to people and I kind of contribute that to, to my father because I you know, from, from being a kid and um, having to wait for dad and wait and wait, you know, and because of course he was speaking to so many people and, and he wasn't a politician by any means, but yet, you know, because he always was concerned about what people's views were on, on different things and, and concerns. So I, uh, I, it doesn't weigh on me too much. I would say, I think that the most part that would possibly weigh um, would be um, online. So anything to do with online or online harassment or, or, you know, people coming, coming forward with negative comments and so on, because, you know, at that, at that point in time, you do want to kind of defend the city or you do want to defend the, the decisions that you've made. But other than that. Yeah. Uh, okay. You've opened up Pandora's box counselor, and I want to play in that for a few seconds, if you're okay. Um, we have seen the rise of online hate vitriol. I have. I was a former communications and marketing uh, staffer, administration staffer for a municipality in Alberta. So I saw firsthand the Facebook hate that the municipal councillors got. How, how do you wash that away? Because you're right. You want to defend your city because when you see these online attacks and you see these online negativity it looks bad on the community because when I moved to a community, I moved to the, where I worked, the first thing I did was looked at Facebook and I wanted to see what, what it was all about. And I saw it and I went, am I going to the right place? So how, how do you combat that, but don't feed the beast that is the online. And I, I say this with all respect to everyone, the online trolls. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, that, that is exactly what I, I do. I don't feed in. Um, and, you know, if there's something that I know that is concerning and I know that, let's say, if it's on a specific type of Facebook group and so on, um, I will usually get a hold of the person that is the administrator of the group and 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 kind of just give them the lowdown and say, well, this is actually what the fact, facts are. And for the most part, they'll they'll go through and go, oh, wow, I had no idea. Um, so but uh, yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's disheartening. I try definitely try not to um, deal with it. I try not to. Do you, Take do you a look read at it, it though? Um, I'll definitely read some, that's for sure. Uh, because I just want to know where the concerns lie and, and why people feel the way they feel. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, there's so many times that people aren't kind or they don't understand um, where the decision making has has come from. Um, so so that, that's the difficult part, you know, and, and of course, I kind of look at it as in that I need to more more so not be upset about the fact, but what I do need to do is almost educate. So I, I take it as an educational moment and, and and to educate as many people as I possibly can about why, you know, the whys and the, and the hows and so on. Do you, is, I don't want to ask this question because, you, because you're a woman, but you have frontline experience. Well, I don't want to say frontline experience being a woman, but you, but you are a female counselor. Um, have you felt 
the online attacks against you in your community or on social media because of your gender in municipal politics or has uh, the attacks not being personal because, well, it's municipal politics and it's not that partisan politics that we see federally or provincially? Right. I would definitely see partisan politics as being very, uh, is definitely way more um, contentious. Um, but uh, I mean, somewhat, I have definitely seen somewhat, somewhat of uh, a little bit more attacked just because, because of that fact. Um, I definitely try to um, remember, you know, where people are coming from or, or possibly why uh, they, they may think so or, or so on. But uh, because I definitely I'm not I'm not a person that goes out and say states that, you know, this person should be, you know, in a position and this person should be in another position just because of their gender or so on. But I just honestly go out and say that it's the best candidates. And and um, I, I love the so people who on social media who will complain on social media, but when they see you in the grocery store, oh, they're lovey-dovey, they're nice to you. So it's a complete different, like 360 turn that people have on social media compared to their real lives, it seems like. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I, I've been um, I've been praised on social media from people that I have not a clue who they are and I've I've never met them. And and then of course, you know, and then all of a sudden you get someone that's uh you know, quite upset because something's happening and, and, and so on. And then, but, uh, but other than that, I, I try to take it with a grain of salt. And I, all I want to do is just, like I said, I just want to educate as much as I can, but you can't change everyone's mind. Right. So. Strategic steps works with local municipalities, boards, and school divisions across Canada, providing guidance and expertise in governance, strategy, and sustainability. They work with clients to build on existing strengths, develop recommendations that are practical, sustainable, and strategic, and lead professional development sessions that drive organizational excellence and council and board member growth. From strategic planning to organizational and governance reviews to governance workshops and more, Strategic Steps has the tools, experience, and expertise to help your organization reach its goals and set itself up for future success. To book a consultation or learn more about Strategic Steps Incorporated, visit strategicsteps.ca today. Yeah. Before we get into the next segment here, I want to I want to uh, preface this segment by saying this conversation is between Councillor Martins and myself. This is not a council decision. This is not a council opinion. This is the councillor's opinion and my uh, our conversation. So this is not this is not what's happening at council right now. It could be, but this is what I'm asking the councillor for her opinion. And I want to start this line of questioning off with this councillor. In your opinion, your opinion, what is the biggest issue facing the city of Martinsville today? So I would say the biggest issue would be infrastructure. And I think in, the, in that regard, the infrastructure would possibly be uh, based on water and wastewater. But I just thought of it at the moment. Um, that would be one, of course, but actually even a bigger issue is our healthcare. Um, we have been placed into a kind of a category and it's unfortunate because within, of course, provincial and federal government, um, you're considered, if you're considered rural or urban, it's, you know, it's, it's different in, 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 of course, by each um, group of government. So, so that has just been a little bit of a difficulty. It's been difficult to retain doctors um, uh, just because we are so close to the city. 
Um, but of course, we're considered still urban, but yet we're also kind of mixed in with the rural. And so it's a very difficult mix and it's a very difficult um, beast. Yeah, I tell you, it's uh, it's hard and I could only imagine. Well, sorry. No, go ahead. Continue. I was going to ask my follow up question because I thought you were done, but go okay. ahead. <laughs> and I can only imagine how hard it would be for the provincial government itself to kind of come forward and and and, and bring forward different ideas and, and, and ways of um, assisting, assisting with that in itself. But um, as a municipality, I think that we need to also look at ways that that, you know, are outside of the box because we are here to govern and we're here to, you know, we're not healthcare isn't our specialty, right? And and that's not what we're really supposed to be focusing on. But yet, we do need to to step out of that that box a little bit. And I think that we need to kind of bring some ideas forward as well. So how how is the city doing that? How are you as their local councillor, one of six local councillors, and the mayor, seven altogether, doing that? Because health this is not the first time that a councillor has told me healthcare is a big priority to, for uh, municipalities right now in this month long series, and. I know in Alberta, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, some municipalities have set up doctor recruitment programs to offer incentives to their uh, potential rural doctors. Come live here for five years. We'll pay for part of your rent. We'll give you a $25,000 moving fee, whatever. How are you and what incentives or what are you looking at to try to address this uh, healthcare shortage that your community is facing right now? Right. Well, that and that's exactly it. We are actually looking at different rec recruitment type of ideas. Um, we've gone, of course, lobbying to the provincial government. Um, we did have a great uh, announcement recently that the provincial government is actually giving our city and then the close city next to us. Um, they're going to be giving us six nurse practitioners um, positions. So that's going to at least definitely be helpful. Um, it is a little bit difficult. Um, coming in from, you know, being a provincial employee, of course, with Saskatchewan Healthcare, and then coming into a private clinic. So they're, they're that kind of, of course, you know, throws a little bit of, of issues in there as well and, and complications. But, but um, I think that if we can, you know, take a good look at that recruitment, and I think that if we can also take a really good look at just, you know, even a possibility of, of um, you know, possibly a housing doctors or so on and so forth. And I think that it's it's a huge group effort. I think that the municipalities and of course with provincial government working together, I think is gonna be the most beneficial. How hard is it to compete against fellow councillors and municipalities for issues like on this? Like your municipality is not the only municipality in Saskatchewan, I can guarantee it right here, right now, that is facing this healthcare crisis. So when you're trying to recruit people, you have to kind of be competing against your fellow councillors down the road in the outside the rural municipalities. How hard is it for you to look at the other community and say, sorry, guys, but I need to I need to fight harder than you are because my community needs it more than I believe you do. But at the same time, you understand they also need it as well. Of course, absolutely. And and um, of course, it comes down to, you know, being, you know, fighting for your your area and your constituents and your and, and your citizens. And and I think that that's what um, that's what the main goal is, no matter what. Um, I definitely think that regionalization, I think that everyone coming together and kind of working together as in um, rather than, you know, pushing everyone out to the city. And, and, and that's, you know, of course, we see so many issues now, of course, with people going and having to go to the city for healthcare um, or Saskatoon, I could say at that point, um, <laughs> even though we're a city. Um, but uh, I'd say, you know, of course, that's pro you know, per proving that there's so many more issues in that in itself. So if we can, you know, regionally come together and kind of, you know, 
um, build something that we can all, all um, I guess, recruit the doctors and, and what we need. I think that the provincial government and of course federal, everything all at the same time, I think will come together if we all work, you know, to, to um, of course, to accomplish our goals. We, if we could wave a wand tomorrow, a magic wand and say, okay, this healthcare crisis is the healthcare issue. I shouldn't say crisis because that puts a larger context into the issue, but the, the healthcare issue is fixed tomorrow. You have all the nurse practitioners, you have all the doctors you need coming to your community tomorrow. You talked about water and wastewater as another priority that you believe is an issue facing your community. Can you talk me through what you mean by that? Because um, I would imagine, and please correct me if I'm wrong, we we are we live in one of the biggest countries in the world with a large uh, uh, large water reserve and lots of fresh water around us. Um, hearing that water is a concern to your community is very upsetting in some sense. And what do you mean by water and wastewater? Well, um, at the time that obviously like our community was built and of course many, many other smaller communities within Saskatchewan, if not the prairies, um, were built, of course they weren't built to grade, you know, and, and so, you know, and, and, if, and they were built halfway in sloughs and so on. And, um, cause they're mainly built around acreages, you know, acreages, and then of course became hamlets. And, um, so it wasn't very well thought through. Um, and of course, this is so many uh, smaller communities within the prairies have this issue. But but um, uh, as as it stands right now, of course, we're still in a lagoon system here here in Martinsville. So um, with the lagoon system, I mean, we can expand to fifteen thousand people. But as of right now, we're just pushing eleven thousand. And so from that point, we don't have a, a water treatment facility. A water treatment facility would cost excruciating amount of money. Um, and of course, you know. Being is that we are smaller um, urban center, we we of course would not be able to fund that ourselves, um, and then of, and then we're now we're looking at, of course, how we transported the water into Martinsville, and and we've done that years from years ago, um, but you know it's now come down to the point where we're we're like wow now you know we need to kind of go forward we need we can't continue with the lagoon system, um, we need different type of treatment systems so. At this point in time, you know, we've we've been looking to Saskatoon to kind of make a deal um, and um, and kind of work with them to kind of send, of course, our wastewater there and and then and then do it that way. Just because of the fact that, they, I mean, they do have quite a large facility. They do have the, the capacity, which is um, absolutely wonderful. And, and, and that's definitely good for us. But of course, I would say that in the region, we're definitely going to have to have a water treatment facility plant, I would say, within, I don't know, maybe about the 20 year mark. But but uh that's it's a big project. That's a very big project. And I, I, I yet again, coming from a municipality who went through this process of water treatment facility upgrades, I know it's in the millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, this could cripple municipalities because you have to then decide what is the priority here? Do we need water or do we need uh, to fix fifth and fifth or main and fifth or these roads that are crumbling as well? Because things don't just magically stop in infrastructure repairs once you have a big project like this. So while it's a 20 year, potentially 20 years down the line, you have to start thinking about it today. So what are the plans to start thinking, okay, 
what are we going to have to scale back on? Are we going to have to look at potentially borrowing from the province? Are we going to have to start looking at uh, grant opportunities? Are these discussions, while it's still far away and being more proactive and then instead of being reactive that a lot of communities have during the pandemic? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We know we have a, um, as of right now, of course, we have a, a reserve that we have been putting away for um, water and wastewater, which is extremely important to us. Um, but we are also um, building a the, the whole pipeline now to, um, to Saskatoon, which is which is going to be great. Um, that's going to be a wonderful thing. And and uh, and then, of course, at this point in time, I mean, it, they, it could be the possibility that maybe Saskatoon water treatment facility expands and so on and then can and can provide for the multiple um uh, communities around so um but as of right now we're definitely planning for the future we just unfortunately it's uh it's gonna definitely take some time and you're right it is crippling it's it's it is unbelievable amounts of money and and just to bring that to, you know uh to the attention of, of of the citizens is the most important part right just to explain to them that listen infrastructure is something that is continue is ongoing infrastructure costs so how hard is it? And I apologize for sort of throw a wrench into this conversation because I, I, I can tell you that citizens often don't care about the big projects. They care about the small projects because those are the ones that they see, right? They see that road being fixed. They see, and usually if it's being fixed, that means a detour, that means they're going to complain even more, but that's here nor there. But how important is it to explain to them to say, Okay, while this project is not on the radar right now, we need to start saving so that way in 20 years, your taxes don't go up 10, 15%, and then that future council has to deal with it. Absolutely. Um, and that, I mean, that is definitely challenging, very challenging, um, is to explain that. Because of course, you know, there is so many more projects that they want to see and they want to see hit the ground. And, 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 and then of course, comparing to other um, municipalities that are that are around right and 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 so that that's the most difficult part is, is to try to explain that you want to balance the budget but yet you also have to save and that you also you know we can't have everything and and um and then of course having investment in the community so so of course we look um to to different um uh, different entities and so on to have to invest in our community to actually invest in 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 the parts that that people do want to see like let's say a recreation facility or or um different projects like that which, which people do want to see of course flourish um i want to uh finish this conversation up about this need from residents perspective of infrastructure because Let's be honest, everything is aging. And over the last few years during COVID-19, there's been this weird change where we had to try to reduce taxes because of uh, people being laid off from work and municipalities bared the brunt of it. And I, and I, I, I say that as kindly as possible because you are the front line. And if you raise your taxes two, 3%, that could mean someone being out on the street or someone using the food bank. Um, getting out of this pandemic because while we are still seeing some people with COVID-19 we are seeing the, the 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 light in the tunnel let's put it this way how important is it in over the next two years because you are halfway through your current term to look at the recovery of not just the city but the residents as well from COVID-19 I think it's 100 percent the most important um I 
I, I look at it, of course, just like I had stated before, uh, you know, I have that little bit of a heart on my sleeve. So I want to see people be able to make it and I want to see people not taxed and so on and so forth. But I also, of course, look at the other aspect of it and understand that, okay, we do unfortunately need to bring this up because now there is, you know, so many more, um, uh, I guess you could say the, just everything of course is costing right the inflation has been just in, in, incredible but um as much as i possibly can as a, as a counselor i try to keep that down um just because i do know how many people are struggling and, and how hard is this foremost, budget going to be how hard is this year's budget going to be because you're about to go into budget deliberations if you haven't already started and i can imagine that this is the year that we are seeing the pandemic over with and we are seeing things getting back to normal. And now we have to take a really hard look. And we always talk about cutting the fat, cutting the trims off the budget every year, but this is the year that the fat and the trim have been cut. And this is the year that you're going to have to go, okay, what else can we do to help the people of our community? Absolutely. It is going to be difficult. <laughs> um, I'll definitely put it that way. It's uh, we have we have an amazing administration. Um, when we bring forward direction, they they definitely take it. And um, but of course, I mean, it's now the years that now we have to take a look at, you know, um, supplying new equipment and, and, and so on. And um, so Unfortunately, I, I wish, I, I definitely wish on my part that, that uh, as a, as a, uh, a citizen myself is, is to, is to keep it on the lower end uh, of an increase and that type of thing. And, um, but just because of everything else that's going on, but I, I definitely think that this, this is going to be a challenge. This is definitely going to be a challenge, this, this budget. For someone who wears their heart on the sleeve, you, you seem, and I, and I mean no uh, disrespect to this, but it just seems like you're very, you're very thoughtful in your process when you're speaking, but you're also very thoughtful. And I've done research. I've done, I've listened to some interviews you've given. I've read some newspaper articles from your local newspaper. It seems like while you want to wear your heart on the sleeve, you also realize that as a counselor, you can't always do that because you have to make the tough choices because you wouldn't be there for 10 years if you weren't making the tough choices. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? How do you wear your heart on the sleeve, but while making the tough choices? Because I can imagine I go to sleep every night thinking about the challenges I have to do. You're going to sleep every night thinking, oh God, <laughs> did I make the right choice? Did I make the right choice for my community? And that could be just daunting in itself. And I'm not trying to it, like it, throw you under the bus here, but I, I would ask this to any counselor. It's just, I, I listen to you speak and I'm like, wow. You actually, you sound like someone who has the best for their community all the time. And I can imagine there are sleepless nights when you're going through budget deliberations and this budget is probably going to be harder than you've probably ever had to do in your 10 years of counselor. You're right. Absolutely. And, and you're right. There is sleepless nights. There definitely is. Um, there, but I, it, I always come out with the whole, in, in the whole situation with and just like I had stated before with the education piece is just to make sure people truly know why. Um, and that means, that means the most to me. I, I know that I, I, you know, I mean, looking at seniors and so on and so forth on fixed incomes um, and, and not to mention single parents and, and people that have lost their jobs through, through everything. And um, I just want to make sure that they are, they completely understand why. And, and, and I also want to bring that forward to council. And I think that I kind of am that voice that, that does continue to bring that forward on, 
on council um, quite a bit and and just to always say okay whoa hold on because you know I know we need you know we possibly could have this or could have this but remember this um, so uh, it, important I is it to be reactive, uh, proactive than reactive as a counselor? Because I have listened to many interviews with many counselors, not saying you, but across this country, and they're always saying, well, we have to react to this water issue because this just came up. Understandable emergencies happen. But to be proactive and look at the strategic plan and say, okay, pipeline X is crumbling. We need to fix it. We can't wait another two years. So how hard, how how important is it for a counselor's perspective? And I not don't just, just just mean for the city of Martinsville, but for counselor in general, to be proactive in their thinking when it comes to budget deliberation. Oh, extremely, extremely important. Um, I I really um, think that we're definitely blessed in Martinsville because we do have a very proactive council. Um, we're always thinking ahead. We we um, have a great uh, city manager that always kind of brings us forward and says, "Okay, hold on, you know, remember this, and and that this is going to probably need to be fixed in the next couple of years, and so on." So I think that anyone that um, that gets into council, it, it's sometimes it's difficult to to think proactively because you're you know the vision maybe isn't there or or um or the ability to think wow you know that's that's so big you know i'm not sure if i really want to kind of put my my all my energy and all my eggs in the basket and and but uh but it is i think it's the most important thing definitely for a counselor to be proactive just to always be thinking ahead as i said you are two years into your term right now you you were up for re-election if i'm not mistaken or a, a next election in the city is in 2024 if i'm not mistaken okay. yes um hypothetically what do you want to accomplish in the next two years what what is the what is the one thing that you want checked off your bucket list of things you want to improve in the city of martinsville before the next term so that way if you decide in two years i'm not running for re-election I've, I've spent 10 years or okay i've got that done now i can move on to project b for the city of martinsville Right. Um, I think the most important thing to me is uh, let's I think it was approximately about nine years ago, uh, we had signed an agreement um, with purchasing land and and that land is is a traditional homestead um, for the area. So um, and I was at least I, I was very lucky to actually be a part of that whole decision making. And, and so for, for me, you know, I, I definitely would love to see, you know, that start going in the right direction and and, and to keep our our you know, our homestead, you know, it, it's and that heritage there. And I mean, it was it was definitely a part of part of the agreement as well. But I would love to see if we can at least start that process before my before the end of my term. Well, hello, this is your friendly host of the cross border interviews with Chris Brown. I have some big news for you. I am pleased to announce that our show has partnered with Strategic Steps Incorporated to launch a brand new show on October 19th. The Political Trenches, Local Government at Work is a new show with a focus on local governments. Each episode, we will discuss the biggest stories from local governments and we will have a roundtable discussion on issues facing local governments today. Follow the news show by searching The Political Trenches on all social media platforms. We are looking forward to discussing local governments and heading into the political trenches. <laughs> 
I want to turn to my last segment because I'm cautious of time here. And this is the fun segment. This isn't policy. This is about your community on a tourist level. So with listeners from across Canada and around the world, um, if they were to make their way to Martinsville, Saskatchewan tomorrow, what are some of the unique gems that they should be looking for in your community? And I will be honest, when I visit Martinsville next summer, I will be stopping at these unique uh, gems that you talk about. So as a tourist, what should tourists do in your community? Okay, well, we have a wonderful walking system. Uh, we have a lunar path, a lunar path, um, linear path, sorry, um, that goes through our whole community. So we made sure that that is something that was a vision of ours. And, and uh, so it goes through and we now have a Kinsman Park in, in our community that is um, and if I'm not mistaken, I do believe it's about 20 acres of land. Um, and that includes, of course, you know, um, uh, includes some fishing ponds, includes, you know, walking trails, uh, outdoor workout facilities, and so on and so forth. Um, wonderful, wonderful area to bring family and of course, just walk through. We have art, of course, in the park, a, a brand new skate park. Um, and then, of course, we have across the, across that the street there. And of course, it keeps on going down the path. We have our outdoor water um outdoor water park and um it's just small but it's but it's wonderful and it's continually busy in the summer um we also have a go-kart track so that is actually held yeah we actually held i do believe if i'm not mistaken it was either western or it was nationals so i'm not 100 sure but it was western canadians or it was nationals this year that we had held with uh on the go-kart track so that that in itself is a lot of fun and then um right outside of our city i mean there's just so much wonderful rural, um, rural land just to, I mean, it's just right here. It's right outside. So it's, it's amazing just to go drive down the, the gravel roads and experience everything, everything almost Saskatchewan has to offer really. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about you here for a second with regards to these, some of these hot spots in the city after a stressful day, maybe a long day at council, maybe a long day at work, maybe just you need to decompress. Where do you go into the city of Martinsville to decompress, relax, and just recenter yourself after a stressful day? What's, what's your hidden gem? Um, believe it or not, it's my garage. <laughs> but uh, but in actual yes. I uh, I have I have, I have a love for classic cars. So I had purchased my first classic car this year, and uh, and I do go into my garage and I I take a look at my classic car and I and I sit with her what, for a while. What type but, of car? What type of car? I have a nineteen fifty one Ford Custom. So you'll have to definitely take a look, take a look, look her up. So. <laughs> But my dad was into classic cars years ago, and and the the land that I live on now um, is the land that I grew up on. So so it was an acreage at one point, and and now um, and now it's my home. So I had purchased the the home after my parents had passed, and um, and I I live on Martin's Crescent as well. So Martin's Crescent in Martinsville. <laughs> okay, I, I and, was going to ask this question, but I have to know. Is your name related to the city in any way? Because when I when I saw this, I was like, wait, did her family found this city or the town or the village? Like, what's the connection here? I've got to know. We sure did. Yep. <laughs> so it is on one side, it's on my father's side, of course, the Martins. And, and it was literally right through the middle of town. And the other side was my mother's father. So my grandfather. <laughs> And, and so we, we, my, both sides of my family owned half the land and, and they decided let's, uh, let's come together and 
my my grandpa on my mother's side had I donated land for the one-room schoolhouse and now which sits the city hall um and then it started becoming martinsville but they had two choices of names and they decided either it was martinsville or roseleaf and and the reason why roseleaf was because the school was called roseleaf so they decided on martinsville <laughs> the things you find out i i am impressed by this line of series of shows that i've been doing because these unique stories are so so like so so small town and so so oh so canadianic um so my last question for you counselor is this and this is a question that you can ponder for a few seconds before you answer but i'm assuming you already know what this question is going to be what makes the city of martinsville so unique for a person to live work and play in it still has small town values you can still go to the the local coffee shop and and the same the same people are there at coffee row and they're discussing things and of course you know discussing on how how to improve martinsville i'm sure at that time but uh it still has those small town values and and to go into the to you know your post office and 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 to see see people and um that's what i absolutely love about martinsville and i love the fact that kids can still go play play hockey on the street you know it's it's something that and and it's safe and and you have no worries about about um about kids just enjoying you know the and it feels like a small town but we still have the amenities which is amazing which is always the good part always having the amenities is always a big draw for communities but Counselor, I want to thank you so much. Um, I, I, I know I said 40 minutes and we were a little bit over time right now. I do apologize for that. But I want to thank you for uh, sitting down out of your busy schedule and talking about yourself, your community, and some of the tourist hotspots in Martinsville. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me. And I'm assuming that we went over time because I was actually talking a little bit too much. So, which, <laughs> uh, hey, if you didn't talk, it would be a very bad show. <laughs> But I want to thank everyone for tuning in for another great edition of the Crossboard Interviews Municipal Month. We will be back tomorrow with the mayor of Yellowknife, Rebecca Alti, will be with us. So tune in for that. It's going to be another great edition of the Crossboard Interviews. And I want to remind everyone, put down your social media feed for at least five minutes a day. Go have a conversation with somebody. It helps our society, helps our democracy, and it helps us at the end of the day be a better people. So with that, this has been the Crossboard Interviews with Chris Brown. Keep talking, everyone. Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated. To learn more about us, visit crossborderinterviews.ca. Thank you.